Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, uh, so here's the big question of the day. Do you know what today is? What makes today really special? Well, Okay, apparently we have a lot of muggles in the room, because if you were a witch or a wizard, you would probably know that today is Harry Potter's birthday. (laughs) Yay, let's go Harry. Harry in the house. Harry Potter's birthday. It's also the birthday of J.K. Rowling, the creator of the Harry Potter franchise. So what a coincidence that Harry Potter's birthday and her birthday are the exact same. Oh, and if you don't know what a muggle is, that is a non-magical human being. So so do we have any Harry Potter fans here today? Anybody? Okay, we got, we got some excellent, and I'm sure there's some at home watching as well. So this is a very special day indeed. So even though I myself am not really a fan of fantasy fiction, once I began reading any one of the seven Harry Potter novels, I couldn't stop. It was then that I discovered that reading can become an addiction. And I was hooked. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, you pick up these books and they're like this thick with like 28,000 pages each one. And you're just reading. At least I was just reading to like, okay, it's midnight. Okay, it's 1 a.m. Just one more chapter. All right, it's 2.30 in the morning. It's like, okay, stop. Just put it down. You need a meeting. I mean, so uh, I was hooked very uh, amazingly hooked, even brought props today. So that's really a good thing. So if you don't know, Harry Potter, who wore glasses like this, is the, and and a scarf and had a wand, is the protagonist of the Harry Potter novels, who discover he is a wizard and more than once he must face, face to face, he who must not be named the most powerful and feared and malevolent force in the wizarding world, if not the whole world. The tools that he used to encounter, he who must not be named, are the same tools that all the witches and uh, wizards have at their disposal. Magic. Casting spells and making charms, including the one that is the title of today's message, Lumos. And who knows what lumos means? Light. Yes, lumos takes the tip of the wand and creates a light. It's kind of like the tiki torch of spells, as it were, or, or to make a uh, flashlight, as it were. And if you're really stumbling around in the dark and fighting the most malevolent force in the universe, it's good to have some light on your side, both literal and figurative. So that's what the lumos spell is. But haven't we all, in some version or another, cast the Lumos chant ourselves or the charm ourselves, especially during the pandemic? I don't know if you felt like you've been stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out, how do we navigate this thing? How do we do this? I need some light. So Lumos. And we value light, don't we? Light is a symbol. And for those of us schooled in the Judeo-Christian tradition, it comes back to us from the uh, book of Genesis, the very beginning when God said, and let there be light. And there was light. And light was, saw that the, and God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. 
Well, in the Harry Potter stories, the Dark Lord, Lord Voldemort, he who must be named, he was referred to by several different names, had to be confronted in the open, in the light, in order to make the world safe. And isn't that an archetypal truth? That whatever the issue is, it has to be brought to light in order to be healed or transformed or renewed. And that might be an issue of abuse, or that might be an issue of addiction, or it might be an issue of seditious conspiracy. Lumos, bring it all to light. But I digress. Let's get back to the birthday kids. Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling. So I really believe backstory is important. Because if you know the backstory of someone or something, then whatever the present situation is will have more meaning or value to you or more points of connection in which it becomes more relatable and important to you. So I want to share with you very briefly a 10-year period in the life of author J.K. Rowling. She graduated from college in 1987 and, with a French major and began working a variety of different temp jobs. Now, I don't know about you, if you were a recent graduate at some point in your life, did you immediately make high-dollar money, or did you have to work some part-time temp jobs and try to figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to survive, and that sort of thing? Well, that's a common experience, right? So that was in 87. In 1990, she was stuck on a train for four hours, and from out of the blue, which we say is another name for God, out of the blue she got the ideas of the characters of the Harry Potter novel. So next time you're stuck on I-66 traffic, consider it a blessing. You might become a very famous author. But in that same time, that same year, three years after graduating from college and working part-time jobs, her mother died from multiple sclerosis. It's kind of heavy. It's like, ugh, I've got to figure out my life, and I've experienced a tremendous loss. Well, she eventually moved to Portugal, got married, had a child, relocated to Scotland. Her marriage failed, got a divorce, and then she went back to school. Now, has anybody had an experience where, oh, the relationship just didn't quite go what I thought it would do, or, or and now that's happened, and I've got another person to take care of, and I've got to get a job somehow. I've got to make it work. So she got a teaching certificate, and all the while she recounts that she was still processing very heavily her mother's passing. But she did start writing, and she started writing while she was living on government assistance as a single parent. I share this because there are points of entry, I think, for many of us who can relate to having gone through rough times. Anybody gone through rough times? And you just wonder, how am I going to do this? Yeah, of course. And I wonder how many times in her mind she practiced the spell, Lumos, trying to bring light to the situation, trying to figure out what does this mean, and more importantly, how am I going to get out of it? You know, if you read the Harry Potter books, you will know that the students at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry often had some questionable results as they started practicing their spells. Things didn't quite go as planned. I'm sure it's like that was like that for her. 
Just as I know it's been like that for me at times, I've tried to find my way out of a situation. It's like, ugh, that didn't work. Ugh, that didn't work. Until it did work. Well, between the publication of the first Harry Potter novel in 1997 and 2008, Forbes named her the world's highest paid author. So somehow she got it right. And not only that, the Harry Potter books have been translated into over 80 languages, including, and this is very important, ancient Greek and Latin. So yay, that's important to know. And by 2016, the whole franchise was worth over $25 billion. And her own personal net worth is over a billion. She is more loaded than the Queen of England herself. Now that's some kind of magic. She apparently has a spell for making money, and she figured it out. We should all be so fortunate. But I want to talk today just a little bit about magic. Magic. What is it? Well, one definition I found that seemed to work pretty well for me is that it is the art of producing the desired effect or result through the use of incantation or other techniques that presumably assure human control of supernatural agencies or the forces of nature. How many of you would like to do magic? Yeah, of course. Now, of course, magic is also big entertainment. Uh, a lot of musicians in Las Vegas and on television making some big money doing magic. And we all know that the, the musician isn't really cutting his assistant in two. And yet it's exciting. It's fun. It's go. So it's, we go. So it, that's, a, that's another form of magic as well. But in all seriousness... Throughout human history and across cultures, humanity has endeavored to use incantations and rituals and even prayer and affirmations and denials to do that very thing, to assure human control of supernatural agencies and the forces of nature. You know, I was talking to a colleague about this message yesterday, and he said to me, and I something kind of tongue-in-cheek, and I thought, well, maybe he's on to something. He said, you know, rich, witchcraft is just prayer with props. And I'm not sure I totally agree with that, but I could see where he was going. Because in my consciousness, in my mind, and in my heart, there is a very serious question about how do we use prayer how do we use affirmations and denials? And what is the consciousness? Are we trying to take control of a situation and work it out the way we want it to be? Well, of course we want to do that, right? If times are going rough, we want to do something about it. We want to fix it. We don't want to make the hard times go away. We want to make the pain go away, however we can do that. Of course, I, I one time heard the story about somebody who was uh, in a conversation with somebody else about a difficulty and, and said, well, why don't we take it into prayer? And the response was, are you kidding? Is it that bad? <laughs> well, perhaps prayer would be the place to begin. Still, though, we love stories where someone has supernatural natural powers, whether it's the Marvel comic superheroes or vampires or saints or genies like Barbara Eden in I Dream of Genie or Harry Potter or even Jesus. 
my favorite story being turning water into wine, but that's a different talk for a different day. Perhaps this is because secretly or not so secretly, we want that sort of power for ourselves. And perhaps that explains humanity's commitment across time and across the globe to prayer. But before you start thinking, oh my God, he is dissing the entire foundation of the unity movement in all faith traditions, relax. Nothing could be further from the truth. But I do believe there is a spiritual and a religious imperative for us to understand our true motivations and expectations for our spiritual practices. And that does include prayer. And that does include the use of affirmations and the use of denials. So in order to make sure we're all on the same page, I want to offer a few simple definitions. So generally speaking, prayer is, invokes the idea of dialogue with the divine whatever you consider the divine to be, and wherever you consider the divine to be, whether it's within, without, imminent, and transcendent. There, there's a way of connecting and communing with the creative power that is the, in the universe and in us and all over. Affirmations are statements that we confidently assert uh, that address the truth of being in the face of contrary facts, such as when we are praying with someone who is ill, we affirm vitality in life and wholeness that we know is there. We place our attention on it. Or denials or statements of release that clear away erroneous beliefs, such as when we deny the power of low self-esteem to hold us back or hold us down. We may recognize it's there, but it is not the final word. And we go on, as the Quakers say, to speak truth to power, even if our voices shake. Last month, we completed prayer chaplain training and went into far more detail about all of this and well over 20 hours of instruction. So suffice it to say, there is a lot more to say about the topic. But the idea of prayer and magic caught the attention of Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore and his second wife, Cora Dedrick Fillmore, and they addressed it in the book, Teach Us to Pray. And I wanted to share a few words from that resource. Let me adjust my glasses here, which have no lenses. I just poke my finger in my eye. <laughs> there, is, there is an idea quite prevalent in the public mind that we teach a system of thought and word juggling that anyone anywhere can have any and everything by merely repeating over and over again certain magic words. It is true that words have magic in them, and very often the result of the mental imagery evoked by them is so startling as to suggest Aladdin and his lamp. However, a comprehension of the whole philosophy reveals a well-balanced set of principles upon which it rests. By being determined, one can project an isolated idea and get results without conforming to the accepting laws of human relationships. No one can use the power of thought and word in unbalanced ways without suffering undesirable reactions. 
<laughs> to which I would say, like the students at Hogwarts who, who had some very irregular results, or like that expression we sometimes use, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. To avoid this, we keep before our mind's eye the dominant existence of a divine order and the law to which we must conform if we are to attain success. And that divine law primarily is that ultimately what we desire is what is best and highest for everyone. Jesus taught that he was the executive of a spiritual principle that was the source, the wisdom, and the power of everything he did, and he urged his followers to look for the same inner power. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. That same inner power we all have. Sometimes we say in unity, do you know the difference, difference between you and somebody like Jesus? Degree of expression. We all have that same power to do all those things. We're growing into it. So in unity and new thought, we often talk about demonstrating or manifesting our good. But it's not magic. <laughs> it's work. And the work first begins with coming to know ourselves and making changes when necessary to the perspectives and the beliefs about who we are and what we are willing to believe is possible. And then doing the work in the outer. So consider the definition of magic we just cited. It in invites a broader understanding of the supernatural agencies and the forces of nature over which we would like control. What are those things? Perhaps the ones that are most powerful are the attitudes, belief, thoughts, and paradigms that we are holding because if our attention, if, that, if our understanding of the topic broadens that to that form, to understanding that forces of nature are thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, then it is highly likely and even possible, highly possible, that we will activate that same power Jesus talked about to overcome them. I don't know anybody who has ever attained anything that, had, that did not have to overcome some of what was going on in here, a lot of what was going on in there. You know, I'm certain that all of us at some point in our lives have had to contend with depression or low self-esteem or doubt or regret or fear, or anger, or guilt, or shame, or limiting external social structures, you name it. We probably, all of us, encountered some of those somewhere along the line. They're very powerful. They are those forces of nature, those supernatural entities that we want to get control over because we know that there is a power and a presence within us seeking to be expressed and to demonstrate who we are and to demonstrate our good. And with persistent practice, lumos, 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 with persistent practice, each one of us can access that power of the indwelling Christ, the spirit with them, and overcome all the voracious Voldemorts we encounter in our lives. With that consciousness of lumos, let there be light, let there be understanding, let there be knowledge. 
we can undermine the principles and principalities, princesses and principalities, that would seek to keep us in individual or collective darkness and diminishment. So rather than casting the spell out there, we must first cast it in here. Begin within. That's the magic. I'm sure that's the magic that J.K. Rowling discovered in practice. And that's the magic Harry found. It was in his heart, his power, his love. And I'm certain that anyone who has overcome anything found that power in themselves. And it was supported by loving community who opened their hearts and their minds and their spirits to one another. So as a final thought, J.K. Rowling once said, we do not need magic to transform the world. We carry all the power we need inside ourselves already. So your homework this week, and there is homework, even if the Unity Animal School is taking vacation, you are not. <laughs> your homework is to cast the Lumos spell on yourself. May I be the light. May I see the light. May I share the light. And be an agent, agent of peacemaking and healing and a blessing to the world. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.